Hey guys, I've got some exciting news for you. We're going to be launching the Game Changer Summit 2021. And guess what? Speakers applications are now open. We have spaces for three lucky speakers to be able to apply uh, and be positioned alongside 24 other industry world's leading industry experts in the world of leadership, entrepreneurship, marketing, branding, health. It's going to be absolutely epic. If you're a speaker, you're a consultant, you're a business owner, um, if you're a CEO and you want more exposure, more attention, uh, you want to be positioned as a, as a go-to expert, if you want to build on your personal brand, if you want to be paid your value and you want to have the best year ever, then apply today. Not hesitate. So this is the link that you need. Okay, make sure that you've got a pen in handy. It's bit.ly forward slash gcs hyphen speakers hyphen application. Make sure that you apply today. We will be reviewing applications over the coming weeks and. For successful applicants, you will be uh, contacted by me or my team shortly. So, listen. Good luck. Hope you enjoyed the summit. If you if you don't, if you're not successful, but listen, it's going to be absolutely epic. And make sure that you plug into the podcast and also onto the Game Changer Show and on social media for further updates. Take care. Have a fantastic day. This is the Game Changers Experience. Deep dive conversations with leading business disruptors, Olympic athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and influencers from around the world. This show will teach you insights about the winning principles in mindset, productivity, marketing, branding, entrepreneurship, business strategy, and more. Hosted by Productivity Authority, business strategist, former elite athlete, author, and public speaker, Adam Strong. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Game Changers Experience podcast with myself, Adam Strong. And I am in on the show with this amazing gentleman. His name is called Marco Robert. I've known Marco for the best part of around six years. He's originally from Canada, living in Arizona. Who is Marco? Uh, for the people that don't know who Marco is, for me, he's what I call the business disruptor. And <laughs> you'll probably pick this up through our conversations and today. He's also a Silicon Valley business uh, investor. He's a management and acquisitions expert. He's a global business turnaround consultant as well. And he's also got a new book coming out called The Business Intervention, which is going to be released in 2021, uh, which I'm really looking forward to as well. So, uh, Marco, welcome to the show, man. Hey, Adam. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing fantastic, man. I'm doing fantastic. It's all good. I'm really excited about what, what, what's going to happen today, man. Me too, man. You know, the two, you know, the two of us have one thing in common, that's for sure. That's the high level of energy. So together, I think we're going to do some, there's going to be some firework here today. Definitely. Listen, guys, if you're listening, it doesn't matter when you're listening to this episode, right? The reality is, is that number one is that you have fun. Number two, you've got a notebook and pen handy because some of the things that Marco is going to teach you guys, honestly, it's going to blow you away and you're going to need these necessary skills, especially going into 2021, because that's a whole new animal, right? So listen, Marco, I know that you've got a, a, a great history, I suppose, going from where you are right now to where you were in when you grew up in Toronto, Canada and that kind of stuff. But I know that you kind of had some really interesting um, history around kind of Silicon Valley, but what was it like before that? Like, did you have a job? I mean, what was the kind of backstory behind that? 
Whoa, well, that's a good story. So, you know, from, from the time I was a kid, from the time I was a teenager, I knew I was going to be a businessman. My parents owned businesses. When I was 12, I was actually, that during the summer break, I was actually managing a restaurant. You know, I was 12 years old. I had employees and I was in charge of inventory and I was in charge of, you know, managing the till and making the bank deposits. And I was 12. I was just a little kid. Old. So, so going through high school, I knew I was going to become a business owner right, at some point. So when it came time to make decisions to what I was going to study in college, I studied business. My background is actually, my major was actually in hotel and restaurant management. So right after graduating, I worked in that industry for about five years until the age of 27. That was really my last job. You know, at 27, I looked at my girlfriend and I said, you know, I figured this all out. I was a massive, massive reader from the time I graduated. From the moment I graduated high school, no, no, excuse me, not high school, but college in 1992, right? That's a long time ago. <laughs> 1992, I, I met a gentleman called Tony Robbins. If you guys know who Tony Robbins was, who yeah, Tony no. Robbins is, <laughs> he's huge, right? And, and back, in 19, back in 1992, the guy was on TV literally 24-7. He was trying to sell this program that he had. Uh, it was basically a series of tapes where over 30 days, you could change your life. Well, I bought those tapes. It cost me as much as I was making per week at the time. Wow. But it completely shifted everything about me, right? So from that moment on, I, I decided, okay, well, everything I need to know about the world is in books. So I became a voracious reader. I was reading, you know, up to three books in a single day. I was insane, right? I was just, when I was not working, I was reading. And... Um, so things started to work out pretty well for me pretty quickly uh, at work. You know, I became, uh, uh, you know, I was able to get a promotion because I understood by reading books that this, the, the reason why businesses succeed or the reason why many fail is because of systems. See, businesses that systemize tend to do much, much better. And if, you're, if you want to debate this, the, just look at franchises, right? Franchises, right. Well, when you buy a franchise, what do you buy? You buy systems. And right. franchises literally don't fail compared to independently owned businesses who fail at an alluring rate. Yeah. So I figured, I figured all of this out. So at 27, I said, okay, I turned to my girlfriend. I said, it's time for us to start a business. So I put together a business plan. I went to the bank, presented that to a, a banker. And the guy literally laughed me out of the door. The guy <laughs> literally laughed at me. He said something like, I don't remember what he said, but it was something like, uh, Listen, kid, you know, nobody's going to lend you money for that business. <laughs> cool. And with a grin and, you know, like, like this kind of, uh, he laughed at me. I was so annoyed. I walked out of there and honestly, for a couple of days, I mean, it took me a couple of days to get over it because I had spent months working on this thing, right? this business plan. The guy laughed at me. So, so that, that was kind of the beginning of my entrepreneurial journey. So at that point, I could have decided I had a really good job, Okay. Back in 1997, no, that's when it was, I was making the equivalent, I was 27 years old, and I was making probably the equivalent of about 175,000 US today. I, I had a really good job. So I could have just said, you know what, I'm just going to keep my job and, you know, shut up and fit in, fit in the mold, right? Right. But this is not who I am. So I turned around and I, the first thought that came to my head as I was kind of, resurrecting from that defeat was 
you poor little bastard, you're not going to control my life. <laughs> right? That, that banker was not going to control my life. So I turned to my girlfriend and I said, we're going to need to figure something out because we're not going to be able to start a business here. And she said, why don't we go to a third world country? I said, what? She said, yeah. She said, when I was a kid, I used to have a pen pal from a country called Nicaragua. I'm like, yeah, I've heard the name. I remember the, I think it was the Contras in the 1980s. I said, <laughs> I, I heard the Nicaragua name, but I have no idea where that is. And by the way, you have to understand, this was before the internet, okay? It was, so 1997, I didn't have internet. I mean, some of my friends had internet, but I didn't have internet. So I'm like, I don't know. I don't even know where Nicaragua. So we start to make some, we start to talk with people who had hitchhiked and gone to Central America. And we actually created a plan. We said, okay, let's go to Central America and let's start a business. And then in 1998, in the summer of 1998, I moved, actually the summer of 1997, I moved to Central America. To make a very long story short, I ended up building two businesses, two restaurants. At the end, I had about 50 employees between the two restaurants. One was a big, big restaurant and slash nightclub. The other one was a, a smaller restaurant. We did extremely well, sold those two restaurants, went back home, and by the time I was 30 years old, I was a millionaire. Wow. Now, here's the thing. I can trace all of that right back to that moment of decision, right? When that banker laughed at me, I could have done, I could have done like what probably most people do, which is, you know, retract, right. go back and say, well, you know, poor little me, it's not going to work. But instead I made a decision that I was going to, I was going to like, like this external person was not going to define the rest of my life. And it really, really changed me. Yeah. So that was kind of the beginning for me, the beginning of the entrepreneurial journey. So there's two lessons in here, two lessons, very important lessons. Number one, business success is really based on system. You have to systemize everything, right? Agreed. And, and the businesses that do it thrive. And I, you know, they call me the systems coach in some in some circles because I'm such a huge advocate of, of systems. Mm. And I have created my own system mm. for systematizing businesses. Right? It's called BOSS or Business Optimizing Strategic Systems. Right. It's a series of systems designed to strategically optimize any business. Now, you might have heard about it because I spent the last 10 years traveling around the world, you know, prophesizing about my BOSS methodology. But that's number one. But the number two thing, which took me years to figure out, is that to understand that it's all about systems, it's quite another to actually be the kind of person who does not get laughed at, who's willing to confront their own ego, their own emotions, their own fears, their own fear of rejection, their own fear of failure, mm -hmm. and to step up and say, you know what, world, watch out because I'm coming out. That's a different... See, it took me a long time because I was teaching systems to people and some people simply didn't get it. Some people didn't, didn't implement it. Mm. And it was not until I was like probably 10 years later that I realized that systems by itself is not enough. You need to have somebody behind mm. at, the, at the helm of the business who is a mofo, <laughs> you know? And, <laughs> So, so today I have a name and I'm happy to talk about it more, but today I have a name for that mofo. I call that person an outlier entrepreneur. Awesome. And it's, 
why outlier entrepreneur? Well, an outlier is what's an outlier, right? An outlier, an outlier is a, is somebody who doesn't fit in the mold. It's something actually. Outlier is a is a word derived from the science of statistics and the science of mathematics, and it's basically it basically defines a piece of data that doesn't fit in the expected results, right? right? So you need to be that piece of data. You need to be somebody who doesn't fit in. You need to be someone who actually is not, can, does not fit the expected version of you. Because if you fit the expected version of you, you will never be successful. Because if you fit the expected version of you, you're going to be what I call a normal, mm. average, mm. and ordinary person, right? An N-A-O-P, normal, average, ordinary person. Now, while there's nothing wrong with being an NAOP, it pretty much guarantees that you're going to have normal, average, and ordinary life. Yeah. Normal, average, and ordinary results. We always have so, to have normal people in the world, by the way. But if you're oh, absolutely, class, it's probably a different ball game. So, <laughs> and, and sometimes, you, sometimes people feel sometimes people feel a little bit kind of. Uh, that I'm using an accusatory accusatory tone when I say that. No, I'm I'm agreeing with you. You know, the vast majority of human beings are normal, and it's totally fine. Yep. The problem arises when somebody comes to me and says, "Coach Marco, I want an extraordinary life." Mm-hmm. Ah, well, you want an extraordinary life, but you but you do live your life like a normal, average, ordinary person. Mm-hmm. We're gonna have to change that. See, the change is not in the knowledge. The change is in the being. We need to change the person so that they become an outlier, stand stand alone, affirm their unicity, affirm their uniqueness. Mm. And I call him outlier entrepreneur because they also need to become an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur, if you look up the real definition, is a person who undertakes to, you know. So what does that mean to undertake? It means to undertake to find solutions yes. for the world. Absolutely. So you need to become a, a mofo who is, hey, you know what? This is who I am and this is the person that I am and I'm, I understand my own strengths. I understand my own weaknesses and I'm going to play within my own strengths. Number one. Number two, you need to say, and not only do I know who I am, but I'm, I'm willing to devote my entire life, my soul, my spirit, my reputation for the betterment of the world. When you combine these two things, you have an outlier entrepreneur. That that. person will win. And and that's that's probably the reason why we click so much because I I love that kind of your perception of what what an entrepreneur is, but not just an ordinary entrepreneur, right? It's someone who goes out in search of problems to find solutions. You know, it's interesting because you know, a lot of, a lot of entrepreneurs, as you know, they go out building solutions to find a problem, which is completely wrong. And a formula, you need to go out to search for problems before you go create solutions. It just doesn't make any sense. So anyway, that's a whole in new- fact, what? in fact, Forbes, Forbes magazine just yeah. published a study about that. It's funny. Cause I just read that. Like a month ago. <laughs> that's just a- pure coincidence, <laughs> but they published a study about that. They said they interviewed CEOs that had to close down their businesses. Yes. And they said, why did you close down? The number one reason why people close down their businesses is this. Actually, it was 42% of CEOs wow. who closed down their businesses. They said, because we found out there was no market. <laughs> what? What? We found out 
almost 50% of business owners lose everything. You know, they have to move back to their in-laws to sleep on the on their in-laws couch. Jesus. Okay? Their kids have to go back to school with a brown bag and a sandwich. Holy shit. Because because what they brought to the market nobody wanted. Yeah. Almost 50%, okay? That's it's alluring. Crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. That so that's why that's why you have to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. So to me in my book there's a huge difference between a business owner and an entrepreneur. Yeah. You know, anybody can be a business owner. You know, you go get yourself a license, you you know, you open your door, you say, "Hey, I'm a business owner." Oh. <laughs> an entrepreneur is very different. It, being an entrepreneur is actually a state of beingness. It's a it's 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 who you are. It defines you. You know, not just a it's not a profession. It's not a you know, I have a choice between uh, I can become a uh, you know, a fireman or a nurse or maybe I'm going to own my own business. No. It doesn't work like that. If you want to be successful as a business owner, you need to embody the spirit of the entrepreneur. Yeah, agreed. Now you've got you've got a great reputation of saving what I call dying businesses, right? <laughs> so if a dying business comes up to you and says, "Marco, Marco, please, please, Marco, I need your help," right? I know that a band aid's not going to work, but what's the first thing that you do? <laughs> Usually I make them cry a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> make them feel bad about themselves. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, Actually, I don't make feel I don't make them, that need to be done out there, man. I, I don't make them feel bad about themselves. Okay. I make them confront reality. Yeah. Yeah. See, most of the time, the reason why somebody is about to lose their business is because they haven't confronted reality in a long time. Okay. Um, so that's that's one of the first things to start. They don't they don't cry. Sometimes they cry, but I mean they don't cry. They but they come face to face with reality. Right. Right. Because why? The, the reason is this take any business out there, okay? A restaurant, a, a hotel, a manufacturing company, you know, a roofing, a solar, uh, an accounting firm. Why is it that this one is failing when, you know, 16 of its competitors are actually thriving right now? Right. Why? Right. There are some challenges. Well, what I did is I actually, instead of my boss methodology, I created what I called the sequence. And the sequence is the seven steps that a business must go through in that sequence in order for that business to thrive. Mm -hmm. See, let me tell you the seven steps very quickly, and I'm happy to go a little bit more in depth in each and every one of them. But people will recognize them. Number one is you have to overcome yourself. That's step one. You have to overcome the old, normal, average, ordinary person inside of you. You know, we, we were all raised by parents who were normal, average, and ordinary. You know, yeah. unless your father or your mom was a tycoon or a mogul or some sort of a billionaire or a hundred millionaire, mm-hmm. you know, you were raised by normal people. Right. And normal people don't achieve extraordinary results. So your business must be run by an outlier entrepreneur. Right? So that's step one. Step two, that outlier entrepreneur must, must figure out how to create value for the world. It's one thing to, to want to create value. And we've talked about that before. Entrepreneurs want to create value. It's quite another to know how. Mm-hmm. So that's step, that's step number two. Okay. Step number three, that value must be transmuted into revenue. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can have a lot of value, but if you don't know how to turn it into revenue, nothing's going to happen. Right. Then those revenues, at some point, the revenues will stop growing. Right. 
because by yourself, you're limited to the amount of growth that you can actually achieve just by yourself, right? Okay. So if you run your business and you're, and you're just by yourself, at some point, something is, at some, that's why most small businesses get stuck at about $1.5, $1.2 million. It's almost like there's this, this glass ceiling that yeah. a lot of small businesses cannot go over. Um, so, you, so what do you need to do at that point? You need to bring leadership inside of your company. Either th- that outlier entrepreneur becomes a better leader but you need, you need leadership so that you can actually start building teams right. so you can continue to grow. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to continue to grow, right? Now, now you're growing your business. It's going pretty well. But then as your business grows, usually your profits go down. Mm-hmm. So you need to learn how to manage expenses, control costs, so that you can continue to grow your profits. That's the, that's the next step. That's step, step five. And then step six is you need to know how to manage cash flow. And I don't want to go into detail, you know, but a lot of small business owners have com- no idea that there is a difference between a, a cash flow and profits. So there's revenue, there's profits, and there's cash in business. Those are three completely different things. So you need to know how to manage your cash. Otherwise, you're going to go out of business. You know how many businesses that I know who, are, who do well in sales have great profits but still can't pay their bills? It happens all the time because people don't know how to manage their cash flow. And then ultimately, step seven, if you want to be able to retire from your business at some point, you're going to need to, you're going to, need to be able to recapture all of that value and grow the equity value of your business, right? right? So, that business that you, so that business that you started for, I don't know, you know $10,000, at some point, it must be worth you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twenty million dollars in right. order for you to be able to retire from that business. Yeah. Right. Yep. So, Good so that's so that's what it is. That's so that's cool. so those so those are the seven steps. Now, I'll tell you why I created these seven steps in my world, in the world of business management. There's a big challenge. You see, there's a lot of experts out there, right? Accountants, so cool, sales, so called experts. <laughs> well, no, but there, there are, no, no, but there are real experts as well. No, I, I agree. There I are agree. many, many pretenders. I agree. Okay, <laughs> lots of pretenders, especially right now, right? Lots and lots of pretenders. But, you know, there are real experts. You know, you have like uh, accounting experts, you have sales training experts, you have uh, social media marketing experts, you have, you know, mindset experts, you have uh, productivity experts, you have, uh, you know, organizational consultants, operational consultants, account- financial consultants. I mean, you have a lot of experts. Now, if you ever talk to any one of them, Let's say you, let's say you, you run a small business and and for some reason you're not doing that good, you know. And you, you go out and you speak with your accountant and you say, Charlie, I don't know what's going on here, but you know we haven't made any profit this year. Well, if Charlie is honest, this is going to be his answer. He's going to say, Well, I added all of these invoices, subtracted them from the revenue. Yep. And then this is the this is the line of profit that you have at the end. See, Charlie does not know how to make your business successful because that's not his job. His job is to tabulate your accounting, sure. right? But if you ask Charlie, he's going to say the number one reason why businesses fail is because they don't have enough profits. Yeah. Let me help you. Let me help you manage your costs mm-hmm. so that you can have better profits, right? Yeah. 
In fact, listen to this. This is a this is a quick quick anecdote. Last summer, not 2020, 2019, I was in um, Oklahoma City to meet a friend of mine who is an accountant. We were just chit chatting. It was kind of a just you know, we were, it was just a, a friendly visit. We're talking, and he said, he's he's the one who told me. He said the number one challenge, that the reason why businesses fail, is because uh, they don't have enough profits. That's what he said. I said, oh, okay, good, interesting. <laughs> that same day, that same day, I flew to Montreal. When I arrived in Montreal, called up one of my buddies, and we went down and we had a beer at the pub on St. Catharines. That's the main street in Montreal. We're sitting down, and I'm telling him the story. I said, you know, this morning I was just with a buddy of mine in Oklahoma City, and he tells me that the number one problem in business is, is profitability. He says, the guy has no freaking idea what he's talking about. <laughs> he says, the truth is this. He said, you can't even have a profit until you have sales. The number one problem in business is sales. People need to know how to sell, how to close, how to generate more revenue. And I said, good point, right? Now, Adam, let me ask you this. What if, I, what if that same day I'd spoken with my friend who's a mindset coach? What do you think he would have said? What if I'd spoken with another one of my friends who is um, an organizational HR consultant? What do you think he would have said? You understand? Mm. Every professional brings a bias mm. to the conversation. Absolutely. Now, they're all right. They all have, they're all right. I agree. From their perspective. But as you, the business owner, what do you do? You know, you have a problem. Your business is not thriving. What do you do? Do you call your accountant? Do you call, do you call an, an, a mindset coach? Do you call a, a sales trainer? Who do you call? So many contradictory messages. So many contradictory messages. And you're like, oh, this is so overwhelming. Which, who sh- whose advice should I take? Exactly. And this, here's, the, here's where the problem comes. Okay, I'll tell you where it comes. Yeah. Problem is, the problem arises when it becomes an emotional decision. So most people, first of all, will have an emotional tendency those like the guy who's a very right brain guy like me and you right we love marketing we love sales we love to be around people we like to throw on a show <laughs> right put on a show so what do we think the problem is always you know it's revenue generation it's marketing it's social media stuff so we have a, a tendency to try to fix all of our problems mm. by growing the business mm. now imagine the uh, on the other end of the spectrum the librarian or the shy engineer who runs his business what do you think he or she thinks the problem in the business? It's always going to be something in accounting, operations. You know, I need, I need another spreadsheet. I need another process. I need another policy, <laughs> right? So these people will tend to hire those people to help them out. So my question to you and to, you know, the audience here is this. Do you think it's possible that when a business is going down, when a business is failing, when a business is struggling, that there is one reason, that there is one, what I called weaker link or weakest link in the process. You think that's possible? Yes. Of course. Of course. Absolutely, right? There is always. So what, how are you going to identify that weakest link in the process? If, if you bring your own bias and if every professional out there brings also their own bias, how are you going to identify that? Well, that's the reason why I created the boss methodology. Right. The boss methodology allows my clients within two minutes to about an hour to identify exactly what the weakest link is, mm. to know what should I work on right now. Independently of who you are, independently of who I am, independently of, of any professional that brings a bias, 
I can literally spend an hour with, let's say I, let's say I line up a hundred people and I explain to them what's going on with the, with the business. And I train them on my boss methodology. I can guarantee you that at least 90% of those people will agree on what the problem is. Mm. We will all agree on one solution. That's why I, that's my boss methodology. It is designed to understand exactly what is the one core issue that we need to address. And then what we do is we go and address this. And that's why sometimes I'm able to explode business results. You know, I've worked with clients that have been in business for 20 years, trying their damnness to, to grow their business, to improve their profits. Nothing happened because they're trying to address the wrong problem. And they don't even see, they don't see, you know, like my friend, he's in, in his seventies. He's an accountant, massively successful guy. Okay. Built very, very successful businesses, like in the hundreds of millions of dollars. He cannot see to save his life that sales is also a very important component of running a successful business. I understand. Agree. He is convinced that the only problem is profits. He so, so once you understand that, once you understand that the problem is going to be one of these seven areas, mm -hmm. right? And I show you how to identify, how to remove all biases and identify if you have a problem, if, if you are the problem, number one. That's if all you have a problem, <laughs> yeah, because that's, that's number one, right? Sometimes they are the problem. Number two, sometimes they just don't know how to bring value to the marketplace. Right. Number three, sometimes they don't know how to generate revenue fast enough or they don't know how to build teams so they continue to grow or they don't know how to extract profits or they don't know how to manage cash flow or they don't know how to systemize and optimize their businesses to maximize the amount of equity that they are generating. Yep. So it's one of these areas. Yep. Once we know, it's, it's fixing it, it's super easy. Yeah. So dinos so that's first, how I turn around. Business. Fix it. That's how dinos I first and fix it later. Yeah. Cool. That's how I turn around businesses. The best way to understand this is this. I want you, I want you to think of a chain, yep. right? Chain. So my seven steps are like seven chain links. Right all hooked together, right? And in any business, just like in any chain, you know, if I take a chain and I bolt it to a big boulder and I pull on it with a tractor, it's going to break. How many places will it break at? One. one. <laughs> just one place, right? A chain, when it breaks, it breaks at one place. What do we call that place? We call it the weakest link. Yep. So what if, what if now... Let's say that, let's say we have to put, let's say a thousand kilos of tension on the chain before it breaks, okay? Now, what if I have a model to identify the weakest link, right? Let's say I can, I can scan that chain and identify where the metal is the weakest, where is the, in, the integrity of the chain compromised? Mm -hmm. And I do nothing else to the chain except I bring my, my welding torches, and I reinforce only that one weakest link. What just happened to the chain? Came stronger. Yeah. How much stronger? Could it be twice as strong? Could be. It's very. Could it be 10 times as strong? Could be, depending on how weak that weakest link was. Right. And that, my friend, is, ex is my number one business secret, what I just told you. Number one business secret. Very cool. When you have a model to identifying the weakest point in your business and you know how to fix just that thing, you can completely explode any business. Yeah.
That's why literally I've had, I've had a glass of wine with somebody who had been trying for years. And in the next year, the guy said, I tripled my business. Mm -hmm. Just one conversation. Yep. I had a, I spent a day with a, one of my clients in France and he became the number one coach in Europe, the highest paid coach in Europe after spending one day with me. The guy had been coaching for 13 years. Crazy. He could not make more than, than 80,000 euros a year. Now he's making $10 million a year. You understand? <laughs> yeah, Why? Because we addressed, we addressed the core issue. We addressed the weakest link. Cool. So listen, I know that you do a lot of, you've worked with venture capitalists in the past. You, you're an investor yourself and things like that. I'm intrigued to know more about what, as an investor, you know, what do you look for when it comes to investing? And uh, are there any particular industries or trends that you look for, depending on obviously <laughs> the, the time of year or whatever it is? What, what, should, what should we be looking for? Oh, well, that's a, good, that's a really good question. So, so first of all, I don't like, I like to invest in track records. Right. Uh, when I moved to the Silicon Valley in 2001, I started to mingle with in the circles of startups, right? There's tons of startups, mm. a lot of social circles for startups. Right. And I invested in a few of those startups. You know, my, my ass was basically handed back to me, right? I mean, I, I messed up a lot because what I did is I, I invested based on ideas. I invested based mm. on products. Mm. I invested based on market size. I don't do that anymore. I invest based on track records. So what does that mean? That means that, first of all, I'm not, even, I'm not even interested in anybody who hasn't made a few million dollars in their business already, okay? Because the, the route to the first couple million dollars, it is, is so absurdly difficult uh, that as an investor, I'm not interested in doing that. And investors who do that, basically... They take their portfolio and then, and then they divide it into 20, 25 different companies. It's basically like a crapshoot, okay? And then one of those will actually skyrocket and then you're going to make, you know, a hundred times your money. Right. That's what those investors do. Sure. I'm not interested in that. Um, I'm interested in, in a little bit more sophisticated based on fundamental. So I look at businesses that have been around for a while and then that they have a good plan for, for growing their business, number one. So the, and then they need money in order to grow. That's number one. Number two, I look for the team. Very important. You know, who are these people? What kind of a track record do they have? Yep. I, don't, I don't invest in new people who don't have a track record. Now, that doesn't mean that you need to have a track record of building a $100 million company. Sure. But you need to have a track record of success. Let me give you an example. I've, I've invested in people who had no business success experience whatsoever. But the guy was a college, a college athlete who had been, you know, who had won medals and won states and, you know. So I want a track record of success. I want someone who has proven themselves to be an exceptional person. I, I'm not interested in investing in the guy who, you know, when he was in high, like me, you know, when I was in high school, I was just, a, I was just an average guy. Right. Okay. Well, I had, to, I had to discover my awesomeness later on in life. And I would not invest in who I was when I was in high school today. I would totally invest in who I was when I was 30 years old because I had reinvented myself completely. Mm. You understand? So those are probably the two things that I, I look at the most. You know, obviously there's a there's a lot of other criteria that we look at. We have five industries that we are that we are mostly um, 
attracted to. I'm not going to share them with you, but you know, there's there's five industries that that I like to invest in the most. Um, that doesn't mean that I would not invest in other industries. The reason why I'm interested in these five industries is simply because private equity, a lot of the, the sophisticated money out there, those are the industries that they look at. Yeah. So my 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 exit is always to sell to a bigger fund, to a private equity fund, something like that. So I like to buy what they want to buy, you know? Absolutely. I buy what they want to buy. So I can I can flip it to them. That makes sense. So this is a for me, this is a, a really interesting question because I know that there are some businesses or some some of old entrepreneurs on our listeners around the world that are probably thinking about this and they're thinking, well, okay, I've got this, I don't know, fintech company, I've got this uh, piece of technology, or I've got this business, and it needs to find some investment, right? How is it that they should approach an investor? What is the best approach to do that? And, uh, and uh, how should how you go about doing that? Any advice there? Oh, wow. Wow. I mean, that's a kind of worms that one. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, I mean, yeah, absolutely. But I teach a class, I teach a class on this. Um, right. Probably the, the number one thing that you have to understand is put yourself in the shoes of the investor. Yeah. This if you want an investor to invest with you, put yourself in their shoes. If you don't know how to do that, nobody's going to invest with you. In other words, here's another way of saying it: create a value proposition that is interesting for the investor, mm. not for you. And I'll tell you something: nobody cares about your stupid product. <laughs> and oh my God, you know we have like this amazing product, and we're gonna be. Nobody cares about that. Okay. People care about, they care about the size of the market, yep. your strategy for actually tapping onto this market. Don't come to me and say, you know, this is a $13 billion a year market. Imagine if we only get 1% of that. I can't imagine Everyone that. Give me a plan. Everyone's How that. are you going to get 1%? How will you get 1%? Anybody can say, imagine if we only get 1%. Tell me how you're going to get 1%. It's the difference between what's called a top-down approach yep. versus a bottom-up approach. The top-down is, you know, the market is huge, man. Okay, so what? What's your strategy? What's your tactic? What's your marketing plan? What? Tell me about the competition. Tell me that you've done your research. Tell me who's on your team. Tell me why they are on your team. Why are they going to be able to help you, right? And uh, tell me about your legal structure. Tell me about... Tell me about how I will get compensated. Tell me about how long it's going to take me to get my money back. You know, tell me something about that that is going to benefit me instead of just going to me and say, well, you know, we're going to save, you know, the bumblebees, man. We're going to save the bumblebees. Well, you understand you might this, if, if the project is a romantic project from, for you, if the project is an emotional project for you, if this is your baby, I'm not interested. Exactly. You understand? Yep. I want I want to invest in a business. Yep. Not in and you know, you say I'm gonna start a business, man, I'm gonna run it for the next 30 years. Well, how am I gonna be able to exit? <laughs> you know, if I give you half a million dollars, how do I make my money back? Yep. I'm not interested in for you to build a business that that it's gonna be your business forever. Mm-hmm. Give me an give me an avenue for exiting. What do you plan to do? Are you going to IPO? You know, are you gonna have an initial? you know, um, purchase uh, initial, initial public offering. Right. Are you going to plan on selling it? Are you planning on, um, I don't know what's going to be your model for buying me back. 
Yes. You know, I want to know that. You understand? Yep. So I like that. That's a, there's some good pointers there. And I, and I think that guys, if you're not, if you're not making some notes about this, especially with you guys that have a established businesses and you're growing and you're stuck or whatever it is, these are some really good points, honestly, speaking about exit strategy, because exactly what I've written down on my piece of paper is why is an exit strategy so important and how does one create one? Because, you know, I, told you one of my, I had so many conversations, my- right? I had so many conversations, right? And, that, and, and so, you know what it is, Marco, right? Some business owners and entrepreneurs are like, oh, I don't have an exit strategy. I want to be in the business forever. I'm like, what? You want to be in the business forever? What, you're going to retire when you're, you're like 85 and you're still going to be in the business? I'm like, no, no, you're not going to do that, are you? No. <laughs> well, well, here's the conversation. Here's the, this is the conversation I've had with a lot of people. There's two types of businesses. Right. There are businesses that, it's a forever business, right? Mm. And there are businesses, like for example, my consulting practice, right? Yep. The consulting practice, it's sure. a forever business. Oh. Understand, I'm never going to sell that. It's me. It's my consulting practice. Yep. I'm not, you know, it's, it, it's just, I'm, I'm not interested. I'm not building that to sell it, okay? It's my vehicle to, to make a great income. It's my vehicle to find uh, investment opportunities. So I'm never going to sell that. So I don't have an exit strategy for my- It's a longevity thing, right? Yeah. So, but you have to understand, right? You have, you have to understand what kind of business you're building. Are you building a business that has, you know, a, an, an end point or are you building a, a business forever? Um, so, um, one of my first coaches, Tony Robbins, right? He was not a coach. He was a mentor because I, you know, I right. went to events. I, I met him, but he never coached me personally. You know, right. but I was mentored by a lot of his events and a lot of his recordings and i actually worked with one of his elite coaches as well sure and um one of the things that he used to say is this he used to say the road to somewhere leads to a town called nowhere (laughs) in other words if you don't know where you're going if you cannot pinpoint an exit Mm -hmm. a destination a final you know rendezvous if you cannot pinpoint where you're going you're going nowhere Mm -hmm. right so an exit strategy does not have to be poured in cement, but it needs to give you a direction. You need to understand, you know, the reason why uh, I suggest that people put together some sort of a business model or a business plan, whether they're raising capital or not, is to at least define in there for themselves, mm. where are we going with this? Right. You know, what am I trying to achieve? You know, the, the, the person who's basically guaranteed to fail is the rebel, the guy who just doesn't want to have a job. I don't want to work for the man. My old man worked for the man for 35 years, man, never got anything out of it. I just don't want to work for the man. Well, that guy will probably not succeed as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, right? You, you You need to have you need to have a better understanding. You need you need to want to serve the world and you need to know where you're going. Right. Where am I going? So an exit is nothing more than, than a direction. It gives you direction. Now that exit, I don't have a problem for your exit to change. You know, I don't have a problem for you to think, oh, you know what? We're going to go IPO in five years. And then three years into the process, you say, you know what? No, no, no. We're, we decided that we're going to be purchased by one of our biggest competitors instead. Not a problem. But at least you were kind of following a plan. You're going in a certain direction. Agreed. That's why an exit is so important. Very cool. Like it. Listen, I was going to say, uh, and I'm conscious of time, but I want to give, I want to, I, I definitely want to ask you this really interesting question because I think yeah. that this is really, um, 
especially in your area of expertise with the, uh, in the M&A industry, is how does a company increase its valuation? There's a lot of books on that. Okay? First of all, if you go to any business school in the world, you know, to get your master's in, in business, um, I think it was the Harvard Business Review who decided to categorize all the ways to assess the value of a business. Yeah, I think. And it that- came up with 165 mm-hmm. models. Like, and there's probably way more. There's a lot of models to assess the value of a business, okay? Right. At the end of the day, the simple model is this. It's whatever the market is willing to pay. That's what the value is worth, right? right? So, so how, do you, how do you make it more valuable? So first of all, you need to understand who you're going to sell it to. Right. Understand? Let me give you an example. Let's say I own a trucking company, you know, logistics, mm-hmm. okay? Distribution log- logistics. Sure. And I do about you know, $15 million a year. <clears throat> and I decided I'm going to sell this. I'm going to hire a broker and I'm going to sell it to someone who wants to buy a company like this, mm-hmm. right? So who's going to buy me out? Well, maybe one of my competitors, right? So if one of my competitors buys me out, let's say the guy does $25, $30 million a year, he's probably willing to pay. And I, I would have to look at the, the data, but let's say a multiplier of, you know, uh, maybe four times my earnings before taxes and uh, appreciation and uh, and uh, depreciation and amortization, right? It's called EBITDA. Sure. Earnings before interest, taxes, appre- uh, depreciation, amortization, right? So your net profit-ish, okay? So they're probably willing to pay four or five times my net profit plus my inventory probably, okay? Uh, let's say I, I decide to sell it to my employees, right? My employees don't have a lot of money. You know, the guys are working for me. Let's say they get together, they have to borrow the money. How much are they willing to pay? Maybe two or three times my, my EBITDA plus my inventory. Let's say now I sell it to a private equity firm. Okay. How much are they willing to pay? They might be willing to pay, I don't know, 15 times mm-hmm. my EBITDA. Now, let's say I sell that same company to a publicly listed business, a publicly listed business that is trading on the public exchange at, let's say, 30 times their earnings, Mm. you know, price earning ratio, 30 times. So let's say that. So if they're, so in other words, if they bring in my earnings, it's going to add their value by 30 times. Right. You think they're willing to pay 20 times my earnings? For real. So you understand? So who you're going to sell the business to is going to affect the value. So that same business, let's say let's say that $10 million a year business has $2 million in, in, uh, in EBITDA. Okay? Well, I could sell that business to my employees for about $7 million. I could sell it to my, my competition for maybe $10 million. I could sell it to private equity for probably you know, 25, $30 million, or I could sell it to a publicly listed company for, you know, 40, $50 million. Right. Same business. <laughs> now, now the thing is this, you need to understand something. My employees are going to manage the business. 
So their standards are not as high because they already work in the business. Sure. But if you go into sophisticated money, institutional money like private equity or or listed companies, they're not going to manage the business. So they won't they want a business that's already fully operational, a business that is fully systemized, a business where you have you have managers, where you have um, ways to retain your managers even beyond the exit. Right. Understand? You need to have compensation plans. You need yeah. to have what's called the golden handcuffs where you know people would people would lose by actually leaving the business mm-hmm. because so there are compensation plans that we put in place before we, we we go for an exit to make sure that that we bring a package a management package to this exit that people are not going to lose because imagine this imagine you say okay i'm going to pay 40 million dollars for that business but i need to make sure that the management team is not leaving mm. So as the business owner, it's, it is your responsibility to make sure the management team stays there. So all of these things are important, okay? When you buy a business, you need to create. So I'll tell you one word, the best word, the number one word, systemize it. Yeah. Everything in your business must be systemized. If everything is systemized, if, you're, if, you're, if your team you know, is systemized, no, in other words, you have good people knowing what they're, knowing what they're supposed to do they're well-trained and they're not going to leave at the exit. That's, that's check that box, right? I mean, the investors love that. Number two, your operations must be systemized. You know, do, are you able to, to create the same quality over and over and over again? Or is the quality fluctuating by 20%? You understand? Whatever you're selling, you need to have processes and procedures in place to be able to guarantee that, you know, and when I say operations, I also mean, from an accounting perspective, if I look at your business, have you historically been able to predict your revenue and your profits year after year? So I'm going to go back five, six years, and I'm going to look at your budget. If five years ago you were budgeting, you know, five hundred thousand dollars in net profit, but you only had a hundred thousand dollars in net profit, I'm going to say, oh, you don't know how to, you don't know how to predict. So right. now you're telling me that next year we're going to do thirty millions. I'm not going to believe you. Sure, you understand? But if you have a track record. I'm going to believe you. So it's all its system. You need to systemize your interaction with your customers. Because, you know, you need, to have a, you need to have a plan to actually interact with your customers. If you don't have any systems in the way you deal with your customers, if I buy you out and half of your customers leave, I'm in deep doo-doo. So you need to have systems about that. And number four, you need to have systems in how you bring business in. You need to have marketing systems. You need to have sales systems. Yep. If you don't, if, if you're operating only on words of mouth, your business is worth a lot less than if you are massively systemized and you have, you have like a faucet that you can turn on and off to bring in more business. Absolutely. Right. So these are, so, so then, so my, my, my short answer, and I know I'm very, very, you know, I, I like to talk about <laughs> but my short answer is systemize the crap out of your business systemize every area of your business nice. and that's going to add the value of your business very cool like it i know that you've got your new book coming out in 21 business interruption is that right the business intervention we're not sure actually i'm speaking with my editor and we're going back and forth for the title but the original title was going to be the business intervention so we'll see what, it, what it's going to be so so okay so what are, what are you working on uh, now then you know going on into the new year and things like that so right now, you know, uh, as we are recording this, it's um, just before Christmas uh, 2020. So, you know, the last few weeks of the year, 
I haven't put much on my calendar. I'm just planning for 2021. Um, so we're, you know, we're, we're defining exactly what kind of marketing strategies we're going to put together for my, my core business, Marco Robert. Also, I'm, I'm speaking with, a, I'm speaking with some of my clients. I'm on the board of quite a few companies. So I'm speaking with some of that. Um, I actually just replied with one of the companies that I'm on the board on, on, and I own also, we're making some massive changes. Uh, so we were just talking just before this call, actually. Cool. Also, I do have, um, you know, the world has changed a lot. Hugely. The world has changed tremendously <laughs> in this year. So everything is going digital. Yep. Very few people know how to do this. So we're launching a new, a new brand. We're going to be launching a brand new brand in 2020 to help, excuse me, 2021, to help entrepreneurs at all levels. Oh, I see. see, see, there's a big difference between somebody who's starting a business. Let's say they do between zero and $250,000 a year. And somebody who's been in business for a few years and they do between 5 million and $20 million a year. Right. So we're launching a new brand that's going to be addressing. It's going to be, it's going to be kind of a, a society or a community where people, depending on no matter where they are in the process of building their business, mm -hmm. they're going to have access to the right tool just for them. Like it. So, so it's probably going to be launched within the next three months. We've been working, we've been working on this for about a month now. So within the next three months, we're probably going to launch that platform. We're very, very excited about that. Very cool. So you'll have to keep us informed if you have a, like a, a beta testers or whatever it is. And uh, we can uh, let our listeners know and that kind of stuff. But listen, guys, hope you've enjoyed today's show because there has been a bombshell of golden nuggets today. Listen, listen, Marco, I just want to say thank you so much for being on the show today. I really enjoyed our conversations as I always do, buddy. Uh, me too, man. Me too. And one last thing I want to say before, before we sure. end this podcast. If anyone of your, I, I always like to give more value, right? I always like Absolutely. to give more value. So I have, I have this course uh, that I'm, I've been working on that we're going to be releasing soon. We're probably going to sell for about $1,000. It's 12 days. It's 12 consecutive days with me. Right? Okay. Each day is about 30 minutes to an hour. And then we hang out. And then I walk people through the process of who do you need to be? How do you need to think? You know, what do you need to focus on? And how do you build a business that actually can thrive? So I'll give it to anybody who actually just sends me an email. Just they have to do send me an email to contact at marcorobert.com. So contact at marco, M-A-R-C-O, Robert, R-O-B-E-R-T.com. Just send me, a, send, send me an email uh, with, uh, say something like Adam Strong Podcast in the subject line. And I'll make sure that the people from my team actually give you access to this course. Awesome, man. Uh, again, we're gonna. We're probably gonna sell it. We're working on it. I don't know. We're, we're gonna test the market and see how much we can sell it for. But it's probably gonna be between five hundred and a thousand dollars. So, All right. but I'll give it to you guys for free. Wow, that's pretty awesome, guys. Listen, make sure that you do that. We'll put that in the uh, in the in the link below. And also, if you want to contact Marco for any particular reason or you ask having any questions with regards to today's today's show, feel free to drop him a line on LinkedIn or on Facebook or whatever it might be. Just mention the podcast so he knows where you've come from and that you're not just some weird stranger off the street. But listen, guys, hope you've enjoyed today's show. We'll see you up on the next Game Changers experience. Take care. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Hey, you guys, I just want to say thank you so much for listening in to this episode of the Game Changers Experience. I hope that you got some amazing value, some great insights, 
and golden nuggets that you can implement into your business straight away. I would really, really appreciate it if you could leave a five-star review on the button below. Have a fantastic day and we'll see you on the next episode. Take care.